Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Am I coming through this? It fell off. That's what happened. That's why I couldn't hear myself. That better? Okay. Well, in his book, The Seven Story Mountain, Thomas Merton tells this great story. It's just, just months after he converted to Christianity and to Catholicism. And he's in New York City on 6th Avenue in the evening with his friend Robert Lux. And Robert Lux was a fellow student from his Columbia days. And they're walking along, and Lux says, So Tom, what are you going to do now? What's your plan? And Merton said, and I quote, I don't know. I guess what I want to be is a good Catholic. What would you say? And Lux, who, by the way, was not a Christian, he's a Jewish person, he looked at him and said, what you should say is that you want to be a saint. It's pretty good, isn't it? And that captured Merton's imagination and shaped the rest of his life. That little... I think, Holy Spirit-delivered conversation. What you should say is that you want to be a saint. Paul talks about this in today's reading. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13, just those two verses. And using different language, he essentially says the same thing to the Philippians. And the Lord is saying the same thing to us. What you should say is that you want to be a saint. Now, let me say this before we go on. There's two ways of talking about being a saint. They're both in the Bible, actually. One is the idea, and you'll see this in letters where Paul will write, or Peter will write, say, to the saints at. And everyone who's a baptized believer is a saint. There's also language about we should aspire to be a saint. That's kind of the language you probably hear more like in the Roman Catholic tradition or the Orthodox tradition where there's certain people that become saints and they're called saints because they've really excelled at following Jesus. They've really excelled at becoming like Jesus Christ. And so I'm talking about it today in that second way. In a sense, we're all saints. We're all holy ones, as the word means, which means set apart by God because we're baptized into Christ. But at the same time, God has a vision for our lives That's to make us saints, to make us like Jesus Christ. Or as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, to make us perfect. And just like Merton, just like Lux said to Merton, I think he'd say to us is, what you should say is you want to be a saint. So in the text, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation. Work it out. Get to work. Strive. Be serious about it. And he says this, and do it with fear and trembling. So think about that. He's wanting them to aspire to something. He's wanting them to aspire, I think, to holiness and Christ-likeness. We find this out later in chapter 3. He talks about his own journey or sainthood, and he says, work it out. It doesn't just happen accidentally. It doesn't just sort of come over you and become saint-like. You gotta work at it. You gotta work it out, and you gotta do it with fear and trembling. 
You have to be intentional. Make it your aim to work out your salvation. You know, the word salvation has three kind of tenses in the Bible. There's a sense where when we're baptized into Christ, we're saved. We've been given the free gift of salvation. There's a sense where as we live this Christian life, we're being saved. We're being transformed to become like Jesus. And there's the ultimate salvation we're waiting for that we haven't experienced yet. When we rise from the dead with Jesus and this whole journey is done. And you have to read carefully the Bible. Sometimes different tenses are mentioned. Sometimes they're all mixed together. But here we're talking about that middle, middle place. We're being saved. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life, saving you, transforming you. And the scriptures say, for that to get done, you have to work it out. And then Paul says, with fear and trembling. It sounds kind of grim, doesn't it? It's just, we don't normally go, hey, get to the store today with fear and trembling. It's just not the way we talk. And usually it sounds like this is really ominous. Well, I have to admit, when I first studied this, I thought, gee, I don't like that. I kind of like to play, there goes my microphone again. Let's try it here. I kind of wanted to play it down. But you know what? I don't think you can. I think this is meant to tell us that this is really serious. It's so serious. We should do it with fear and trembling. Now, that phrase is an idiom. It's a Hebrew idiom. In fact, if you go to Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah, the Holy Spirit through Jeremiah, talks about the future Messianic age and the city of God. He says, And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations who shall hear of the good that I do for them. God speaking. And because of that good I'm going to do, they shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. So in the Hebrew mind, it's not necessarily an ominous grim word. It's a, it's a God phrase. It's God's doing this. And God is Abba Father. God's also the one that spoke the universe into existence. God is like the prodigal father in Jesus' parable. He's also the God that showed up in the temple. And Isaiah saw him. He said, I am undone. He's both at the same time. And so Paul says, you should work this out with utter seriousness because God is at work in you. I think there's a couple other reasons. One is, you know what? It's easy to give up. It's tempting to not finish this journey. And Jesus made it clear that faith isn't just a one-point thing and you're done. It's a lifelong journey. We have to endure to the end with our faith. And you know what? Not everyone does that. People, as the scriptures say, shipwreck their faith. And they walk away from Jesus. It's a possibility for all of us. So we should take this journey of becoming saved, being transformed very seriously, because of the potential for us to, to lose in the end. So there's sort of an invitation to take God seriously and just, just a reminder that, you know what? We, we need to not ignore this. I think that's the heart here. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You get to work. It's on you. Yet at the very same time, it's all on God. That's verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. So he has a pleasure for you that you'd become a saint, holy, like Jesus, and he is willing and working in you constantly for that to happen. He's not stopping his work. 
He's keeping at it all the time. And so what this text is calling us to is an act of cooperation, that we would live a life that cooperates with God to become the kind of person God created us to be, the kind of person Jesus died for us to be, a holy person, a transformed person, a Christ-like person, a saint. And the heart of the text, I think, is saying we all need to take this seriously and be utterly intentional about it. Okay. Well, then what's a saint? How do I know if I'm doing it? How do I know if I've reached the goal or I'm even moving towards it? And I think the easiest definition, the simplest definition is simply this. A saint is a person who's been so encountered by the love of God for them that out of that they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they love their neighbors themselves. Sainthood is all about love. Not gushy, sentimental, harmark love, but self-giving love. I mean, you can have affection and be touching. I don't mean that it can't be that. But it's not just loving feelings that means sainthood. It means a life of giving myself away. But it starts with knowing God. It starts with encountering God. It starts with union with God and fellowshipping with God and learning more and more how loved I am by the triune God. How loved I am by God the Father. Then out of that love, responding to him and saying, I'm going to love you. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to keep your commandments. All different ways of saying loving God. I'm going to worship you. You're number one in my life. You're what defines my agenda. And then out of that love, my neighbor is myself. Every person in Christian history who we call a saint, that's what they're like. That's their story. They've just grown deep in God. And then out of that, loved God and loved their neighbor. And they did it because they were utterly intentional about seeking God and utterly utterly intentional about God's goal to make them saints. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who's at work in you. Get to work. Now, um, sometimes people hear that and they go, okay, now work with me here, Pastor. You say we're saved by grace through faith. Now you're talking about working. What gives? Well, there's a lot of ways to capture this, but let me throw out a couple that might help you if you're struggling with that. One is there's different kinds of faith, there's sort of the faith in facts. Like, I, I believe this book is here. It's a fact. I believe it's a fact. That's a kind of faith. And some people think that's what we mean when we're saved by grace through faith. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about. The kind of faith we're talking about is a trusting faith. But think about this. And it's a trust in a person. And when you trust a person and they say to you, I'm going to do something for you, or they're an authority in your life to say, I want you to do something what do you do? You do what they tell you because you trust them, because they're trustworthy, because they're good. So the kind of faith that saves us is a living faith that always bears fruit in a changed life. Now, your life doesn't have to be perfect for faith to be real. and It isn't for any of us, but there should be life. It's kind of like, I know you're alive right now. You know why? Because you're looking at me and you're breathing. You have the signs of life. So we should have the right. So we should have the signs of spiritual life that we're people who follow Jesus. So that's, that's one way to get at it. Another way to think about it is this: is is 
when we say we're saved by grace through faith, what we're kind of countering is this false idea that, well, to get to heaven, I got to be more good than bad. Probably none of you hold to this, but it's common. So what I need to do is make sure I do more good stuff than bad stuff, then I've earned my way to heaven. Right? There's a whole lot of problems with that I'm not going to develop right now, but, but one is simply this. Before God's law, if you're guilty at one point, you're just as guilty if you're guilty at a million points because you're just guilty. And all of us have fallen short and all of us are sinners. So we all need grace. But, but so grace is opposed to this idea of earning your salvation, but it's not opposed to effort and working. It's not opposed to effort and working. In fact, it's the power that enables you to work out your salvation. It's the power that enables you to be a person of prayer. It's the power that enables you to be a person of worship. It's the power that enables you to, to love God and to love others. It's this interplay. And, and frankly, I can only say so much about it. It's something that has to be lived. You have to seek God and work it out. And as you do that, you know what it's like to experience it. And it comes real in your life. Sainthood. Sainthood. What you should say is that you want to be a saint. What I should say is my intention is to work out my salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work in me. That's the invitation of this text. One other quote. It's one I've shared before, I think. Pretty sure. It's from a French Catholic essayist lived in the 19th century named Leon Bloy. He said this, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. That's pretty good. That's, I think that's better than the Merton quote. The only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. There are so many things we can live for. So many things, especially that aren't God. Even good things, we can make them God in our life and miss this. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the big four getting the way. Pleasure, power, honor, and wealth. It's kind of like every false idol fits one of those categories. And basically, you can figure out which one is your biggest one by just eliminating the ones that don't attract you. Then you'll get close. You figure out, this is the one that can get me. And those are all things that can be good in the right perspective. But we're tempted, we're tempted to make them substitute gods. We're tempted to think that the way we find happiness, the way we find satisfaction, the way we find a life well lived is through one of those. We pick one of those and pursue that. And the scriptures are clear, and frankly, the experience of humans is clear. It won't happen. It won't work. It never does, it never will. And it's tricky stuff because you can do religious things for all those reasons. You know, pastors can really want to grow their church so they get honor. Huh, that can be an idol. It can happen to any of us. And they get in the way. They get in the way. But God's vision is that what will make you satisfied, what will make you happy, what will give you success in life, what will be a life well lived is a life where you receive and live in the love of God and you love God and you love your neighbor. That's the real purpose of life. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is actually a means to do that. And that's what Jesus calls us to. 
That's what Jesus invites us to. And the beautiful thing, especially as we see in this text, is he doesn't just say, you, out there, get to work and go do it. I'll just watch you do it. He says, guess what? I'm with you all the way. Guess what? I'm actually in you. Holy Spirit's in you. I'm willing. I'm working. Everything you need, I'm giving you. It's our job to just tap into it, walk it out, and live it out. And so if we want to have a happy life, if we want a successful life, if we want a life well lived, we have to agree with Robert Lux. And what we we should all say is that I want to be a saint. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you.